Well, good morning, church fam. Good to see all your beautiful faces this morning. Let me look at the camera. Welcome those on the other side watching online. Thanks for joining us this morning for our brand new teaching series together titled Move to More from a Believer to a Disciple. And I just got to let everyone know uh, this series is going to be a little longer. It's, we're going to go, I'm your lead pastor, and pastor in, by, in, in, in God's word is often described as a shepherd. And what I want us to do is I'm going to take us to this hillside for a while. And we're going to sit on this hillside and just be really challenged and encouraged, hopefully, at the same time. And this is going to be a little longer series, but um, I got to throw a disclaimer out there. I'm probably going to step on your toes a little bit. All right? I don't want you to step on mine because I have white shoes on, but I'm going to step on yours today, okay? Um, But know this. I'm stepping on them because I love you. I think there's more for us in our faith than what we're living. And I've really been taught the last year in my faith what the Lord has been teaching me is this idea that he does not want shallow Christianity. It's not the heart of our Father. He wants deep passionate, all-in disciples or followers of Jesus. And so this last year, I've been really wrestling with what does shallow Christianity look like and how do we move people that may be over there in that kiddie pool faith and how do we move them to the deeper end of the waters where I believe God wants us. And so we're going to journey together. We're going to love each other because remember, I love you. And uh, I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to cover a ton of ground week one. Like a ton of ground. So if you're a note taker, you're going to want to, you got to scribble quick, all right? Uh, if you get caught behind, watch this message again this week and grab a couple things. But before we jump in, I need to just lay down the foundation of why this series. So it's found in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, it's about two-thirds of your way through your Bible. You've got four guys right there if you see them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those four are known as the gospel writers. The gospel meaning good news of Jesus Christ. They write about the life of Jesus. And the first one is Matthew. What's cool about what we're going to look at here in a moment is Matthew was actually part of the 12 disciples that Jesus handpicked to follow him. What's also incredible is that Matthew would have been despised by the other disciples. Matthew, what we need to know, was a Jewish boy that ended up becoming a tax collector. Now, back in the ancient world, as a good Jew, you hated tax collectors. Why? Because they ripped you off. You didn't like that. On top of that, you would have thought that Matthew was a traitor, Because how dare Matthew to go work for the Roman Empire, who was oppressing you at the time. So here Matthew is sitting in his tax booth, and Jesus comes along and actually says, hey, by the way, follow me. And Matthew gets up, and Matthew, who got to see the life of Jesus, records this story for us. In Matthew chapter 28, It reads this way, the foundational verse for our series. Therefore, go and make believers of all nations. Now, it actually doesn't say that. Here's what it really says. Therefore, go and make, what's this one word, friends? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, in order to fully understand what Jesus is saying in this moment, this moment happens after Easter. 
After Jesus has already been dead and buried for three days, he's defeated death. He comes back to earth for 40 more days. And he tells his disciples to go, and his command is, go make disciples. But we have to understand, what does that exactly mean? What is Jesus really telling his disciples? And by the way, what is a disciple? Why is Jesus saying this? So we got to enter into their world. And we have to understand, their world is a rabbinic world. You're like, Ryan, what the heck does that mean? A rabbinic world means that they have rabbis. A rabbi is a teacher. And everything you wanted to do if you were a Jewish boy growing up in the ancient world was to become a rabbi. That was like the highest esteemed goal that could happen for you, become a rabbi. And in the midst of it, as if you did and you were a rabbi, a teacher, you would have students learning from you who were called disciples. So here's literally what what this definition of disciples mean. Um, Disciple here is our English word. This is the Greek word, mathetaeus, because the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. The New Testament's written in Greek. So this was the Greek word Matthew was using. Well, Ryan, how do we get our English Bible? Because they took the original language in Hebrew and Greek, translated all that to Latin. And then from Latin, we translated it into English. That's how you and I have our English Bibles today. And so here's what disciple means, a pupil. One who learns, one who is bound up with that of their master. So that's bound up, that you are that learner, you are that student, you are bound up with your master, your rabbi. That is who you are. So in Jesus telling his disciples, go and make disciples, what he's literally saying, the goal is to make people look like me. And that was the ancient world of a disciple. In fact, in the ancient world, you had this saying that you walked so closely behind your rabbi that you, would, you want to be covered in their dust. It would be an honor because it would represent that's how closely I walk with my rabbi and learn from my rabbi. In the ancient world, you did everything as a disciple. You did everything your rabbi did. Like, Everything. If your rabbi goes into the bathroom, where do you think you're going? (laughs) You guys awake this morning? It's really quiet in here. Um, You go to the bathroom with them. Like, there's no privacy. By the way, there are communal bathrooms back in the ancient world. Be very thankful for your private bathroom in your home right now. Are you guys awake this morning? Seriously. This is my third service. First and second service, they were laughing. You guys are not giving me nothing this morning. Again, there's coffee out there. Grab some. It's going to benefit a lot of you. All right? I love you. I just need a little bit more feedback. All right? So, you, I don't even know where I'm at right now. Uh, you're walking so closely with your rabbi that it, there's even a prayer when you go to the bathroom. If you're Rabbi goes number two, you go number two, and then the rabbi, I'm serious, the rabbi would say their prayer, and it was a ritual prayer, thanking God for every orifice in your body that you were allowed to excrete things from. And then your rabbi's saying that, well, then you got to say that. Like, do you get the picture of how closely you're walking with your rabbi? Yeah, yeah, there's the energy. Thank you. You at home are rocking it by yourself in the basement. You guys are awesome. Um... I don't know where I'm at again. (laughs) Y'all are throwing me off this morning. Uh, So in the midst of it, this is what now Jesus is saying. Go and make disciples. 
Be oh so close to me that you're making basically, in a sense, if you will, mini-me's of me, of Jesus. That's what you and I are to do. So this morning, I want to take a quick journey because I think there's a comparison that we want to move people from a believer to a disciple because there's some differences. And this is where, let me remind you, I love you. And this is that moment where we may have some tension. But my prayer is that we live into this tension. That we don't walk away at the end of this service sitting there going, I hate Ryan. He convicted me. I, I don't like what he said. We've been praying to staff that the Holy Spirit would talk to you right here. That we would walk away a better version of us because we look more like Jesus this morning. And we'll allow the Holy Spirit to encourage and convict where we need to get things right in our life. So I'm going to go through a list of different things of believers to disciples, just as a quick comparison of what this looks like. So believers, disciples. Um, And let me throw a disclaimer. It's okay to be on this side of the line. We just don't want you to stay there because we're not called to make believers. We're called to make disciples. And so we need to move. There's always more. There's always room to grow in relationship with Jesus. And guess what? We celebrated last week 18 people saying for the first time they've become believers and celebrate and walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. We celebrate it. And now we're just saying there's more for us and it's time to move to something deeper that God is calling us to. So here's just some quick examples real quick. Believers believe in Jesus as Savior but live to please themselves. Disciples believe in Jesus as Lord and live to please God. So here you have believers as Savior because no one wants to go to hell. I'm I'm great. God, yeah, forgive me of my sins because I just don't want to go to hell. But the difference is you don't stay there. You make Jesus Lord. What does Lord mean? Master. That God, you are everything to who I am. And because you saved me from my sins, I gladly will use my life to please you. It doesn't become about me anymore. It all becomes about you. You. Here's another comparison. Believers exalt their opinions, feelings, and thoughts above the word of God. Disciples exalt the word of God above their opinions, feelings, and thoughts. You and I are not God. You and I don't dictate what we think is right and wrong. You and I don't get to dictate what we think, well, I think marriage should be defined this way. I think people should identify the way that they want to identify with their own gender. I think they have the right to do that. Listen, you and I don't get to decide those things. The word of God decides those things. And disciples uh, submit to the authority of God, even though we may feel otherwise. God is God, not us. And guess what? God's word says, I think my plans and my thoughts are way higher than your thoughts. And we trust into that moment. And so that's just the difference is that we lead. Well, I feel like it should be this way, so I'm going to say it's true. No, look at God's word. Does it say it's, it's sinful or does it say it's okay? That's our basis for all morality in life. The problem today is we're getting too soft in Christianity. We're getting secular, secularized because we are being led by our opinions, feelings, and thoughts. Listen, there's there's many things in the Bible, if I can say this to you, there are some things in the Bible that I just don't like. I don't like the idea that in order to be first, I got to be last. I don't like that. It's like, Jesus, why can't the first be first, right? But Jesus doesn't say that. That's the thing that I I don't like. But I'm going to submit to that and try to understand and allow Holy Spirit to convict me and say, okay, if that's the way, help me to come under submission to you. 
Am I stepping on toes yet? Remember, I love you. I love you. Remember, it's okay to be here. We need to move here. We need to get people saved, but now we need to disciple them to look better like Jesus Christ in this world. This world needs better disciples. That was an amen moment. We missed it. Ah, you are alive. Okay, here we go. Believers think of church as a place they go to hear what God's word has to say. Disciples think of church as a place they learn to do what God's word says. Believers who sit there and you know if what side of the line you are on here, if you come to church and feel like, you know what, it was worship entertaining, did Pastor Ryan say what I wanted to hear, or did he step on my toes too many times, I don't like that message. It becomes consumeristic. America's church today is too consumeristic. It becomes, what do I get out of it? And not over here that sits there and goes, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to me, convict me, what do I need to do, and how can I be a blessing to other people? Right? So many people sit there and will say, well, I'm going to leave the church. I get nothing out of it. Well, maybe God has you at that church to be a blessing to other people so they can grow in their faith and become more like Jesus Christ. Thank you, whoever said that. Remember, I love you. Here we go. Believers serve God based on convenience. Uh Uh-oh. Disciples serve God based on conviction. Self-explanatory. Believers try to impress God by being religious. Disciples seek to know God through relationship. Right? The believers are saying, God, will you look at my church attendance for the last year? It was pretty phenomenal. I've only missed three. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. God, do you see the way I worship? Like, it all looks good. But is God after those things? Those are all great things. But God isn't saying, that's how you enter a relationship with me. What he's saying is, I want you here to know Jesus Christ so I can redeem you and bring you back into relationship with me. It's the difference. Believers follow God as long as everything is going well. Disciples follow God regardless of the circumstances. Believers choose their own path and ask God to bless it. Disciples ask God to reveal the path and follow it. We do this often. Come on. God, I want your blessings as long as you bless my plans. Thanks for laughing, Jason. I appreciate that. Disciples say, I'm yours. Show me my path now and I will follow and obey you. Do we see that difference? I know I'm bringing heat. I'm going to turn it down a little bit. There's more, friends. There's more. Are we getting it? Are we getting it? Last one, and then you guys can take a deep breath. (laughs) Believers are full of pride if they're doing well and self-pity if they're not. Self-focused. Disciples are full of gratitude because God's love never fails. God's love never fails. So I'm not negating circumstances here. I'm not. Sometimes you will walk through hell on earth. I understand that. There are horrible instances that you and I go through. We experience death of friends and loved ones. We experience hardships financially and spiritually and all that. What this is saying is, listen, change, put on a different pair of lenses and change your perspective. No matter what valley you're walking through, God is still on his throne and he is still sovereign and he still loves you and he'll be there through it all. That's all it is. That's the difference right there. That's the difference. So let me ask you a question this morning. I'm going to step off your toes just for a minute. Don't worry, I'm coming right back on them, but just for a minute. Let me ask you a question. 
What side of the line are you on this morning? Do you find yourself more on the believer's side? And again, we love and celebrate here. But this series is going to push us and encourage us to sit there and go, what is Jesus saying truly about following him so we, you and I can become more like a disciple, more of the image of Jesus Christ here on earth? Because I truly believe there's more for us. There's more. And we got to start, especially in America, and why do I feel like I'm picking on the American church this morning? Because we're so distracted. We have so many things. We are distracted. I've just, here's an example. Just look at your own calendar. We're distracted. We have so many things going on in, the Amer- in, in, in America that we forget there's a journey. So turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. Okay, choose your second choice now and tell them there's way more for you. All right? Jesus walks into this tension. In fact, Jesus would not make a great marketer if he really wanted, like, if he was running a marketing firm, you'd be like, Jesus, you may want to dial it down. Like, I don't know if this is great marketing strategy here. And so one of those instances that we're going to turn in the book of Luke writes about, but what's interesting is that, you know why people followed Jesus in the ancient world? It was basically two pretty large things. Number one, they followed Jesus based on his healing ministry. And they followed Jesus based on a teaching ministry. Who wouldn't want to come to Jesus knowing he heals the blind, he heals leprosy, all skin diseases, he, he uh, casts demons out of people, he's, risen, he's raised and resuscitated the dead before, who wouldn't want that? So you're flocking to Jesus for that if you have a sick loved one. Um, but Jesus is an amazing teacher at the same time. You've never heard a rabbi such as Jesus teach the way he did, so it captivated you. And the large cl- cl- crowds, crowds, would flock to Jesus. And then they would be like, we're all in, we're all in. And Jesus would be like, are you really? And they're like, yes. And then Jesus raises the bar. And we're told in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that many times the the people in the crowds didn't like when Jesus raised the bar and they chose to disperse and not follow him. Here's one of those examples in Luke chapter 14. It reads this way. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus And turning to them, he said, here it is. If anyone comes to me and does not, what's this one word, friends? Wow. Strong words. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person can't be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me can't be my disciple. And in the same way, those of you who not give, or those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. And the crowds would have been like, hey, yes, we're all on, but whoa. You kind of raised the stakes here, Jesus. Do I really have to hate my family and hate myself? Do I really have to pick up the torture instrument, the cross in the ancient world? Do I have to carry that? Do I really have to give everything I have in order to be called your disciple? And you may be sitting back saying, Ryan, I just raised my hand in a service once because I wanted to be saved and I I felt the presence of God and I I do believe in Jesus, but I, I didn't know the stakes were this high. Let me remind you, 
that whether you are brand new to our faith or you've been following Jesus for 50 years, you are on a journey from believer to disciple. We are all on that spiritual journey. You know why when we enter into faith the next day, we don't get everything right? Because we're not God. We're not God. And there are some of us that are just on this journey and then we're taking step by step and following Jesus. But there is always a next step to take. Always a next step to take. This is why this church has created an entire classroom experience that we run now every single week during this service called Next Steps. Because there's a next step for you. Some of you, if you follow Jesus this morning, God has given you a spiritual gift to lift up and to edify the body of Christ. You need to be exercising that gift. There is obedience in exercising that gift. Ryan, are you meaning everyone should be serving? Mm-hmm. I am. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I love you. It's truth. God has said, use my spiritual gift to lift up the body of Christ. Let me ask you, how you doing? Uh, I don't even know my spiritual gift. Don't worry, you need to go to next steps so we can understand it and, and do things there. Next steps will help you identify some of that. Well then, okay, I find my gift, now what? Next steps will help you identify where can you serve? What's the passions God's put into you? What do you shape for? Next steps will help you find the areas to serve. It's awesome, it's beautiful. And then you're serving people, like, this is awesome, this is fun. But let me tell you, Jesus raised the stakes. Let's jump back at it really quick and look at this word hate. And you sit there and go, you know what? I thought Jesus was love and really he's calling us to hate our families. Like, that seems really unfair, Jesus. Like, do you literally mean hate my mom and dad? I love my mom and dad. Do you really mean I got to hate my spouse and my kids? I mean, sometimes I may not like my kids, but I don't hate them. (laughs) Right? I'm with them. What is Jesus actually saying here? Does he literally mean hate them, or is this a stark contrast? Is this hyperbole? Jesus is literally saying, I am first, and everyone else is in second. There is a huge gap between me and your family. You love your family, but in comparison to your devotion and your love and your honoring to me, it looks like, because the gap is so big, that it looks like hate, even though you deeply love them. That is how high I am to be. A quality of a disciple of Jesus, and we're going to look at several of them every single week. The first quality is this, that disciples of Jesus are passionately committed to Jesus. Passionately committed. And you know what? I I know you guys are passionate. You're passionate about something. Many of you, you're passionate about sports. Oh, you wear your t-shirts, you wear the jerseys, you turn on the TV, and you're cheering them on. You're passionate, and that's beautiful. I have my teams I'm very passionate about. And this is a beautiful thing. I know you have passion. You know how else I know you have passion? Because God has passion, and we're created in his image. Passion is inside of you. Here's what else I know. Many of you, you're passionate about your job, your career, what you do. There is passion there, and you love it which is awesome and incredible to walk into, right? Knowing that I love what I get to do. You're passionate about it. Some of you, you have different hobbies and you're extremely passionate about your hobbies that you do. You know why we do hobbies? Because we're passionate about it. We like them. 
Unless we're really bored in life and figure out, I need, I need a hobby, I need something to do. We all have hobbies, something that you deeply love. And you know one thing I know that you're passionate about? You're passionate about your family. Even though they may drive you crazy at times, you're passionate about your family. You love them. And so Jesus is saying literally, I know you love them, don't hate them literally. But that gap, I am so far first, and they are so second, that gap is so big, it looks like second place isn't even in the race. You are passionately committed to Jesus Christ. So, how does this play out, Ryan? What, what are three things to help, help me understand, help me things that I can start because I'm more on the believer side. I'm not quite there yet, which okay, we wanna get there. Um, help me with three things. Help me with some ideas of how to slowly, again, take my next step and walk so I can live into this principle. Let me tell you three quick things. Number one, you gotta please God more than people. And that hurts sometimes. Because for some of you in the room today, or rather you're watching online, you're a people pleaser. But there's a decision you're going to have to make in life. Will I please this person or will I please my Savior? And you're going to have to make that decision. And it's going to be tough sometimes. It may hurt for a while. It may put you in some very uncomfortable positions. But ultimately, there is a pecking order in life. And it's scriptural. It's biblical. God, then everyone else. I will please God more than people. So you may have someone that looks at you and says, man, you spend a ton of time at that church. Are you a weirdo? Like, way too much time. I don't understand why. And you sit there and go, because you know what I do? I, I attend one and I serve one. I, because I'm honoring God with what he's given to me. More than I'm going to honor you, even though I love you deeply. But God will come first. You may have people sit there and go, you do what? How much money do you give that church? And you sit there and go, because God desires my first fruits. Anyways, my money isn't mine, it's his, and I will gladly give him 10% because he saved my soul. I will gladly give. And you may have be in relationships where they're like, are you seriously saving yourself before marriage? You're not going to engage in premarital sex? Are, are you crazy? Why would you do that? And you say, because you know why? I'm passionately committed to Jesus. And that's what he calls, and I will honor him and please God more than I'm pleasing your desires. Whoo, I'm stepping on toes. I love you. Blessing and honor will flow when we get this correct. It's biblical. It's biblical. Look what Luke records for us. Look, there's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what flatters them and doing what indulges them. What lies ahead when you please more people? Trouble. Trouble. We will always please God more than people. Blessing and honor will flow. Favor will flow upon your life when we get the pecking order correct. In fact, uh, in an article in Christianity Today, a pastor, Sam Stone, he wrote an article after he did a ton of research on Christians. And he did the research based on this principle. How many Christians and what is their life like pleasing people? And what is their life like pleasing God more? So he did this study, and these are his results. When we begin to live into this principle that we please God more than people, here are his study findings. Here's what happens when you please God more than people. You'll have greater creativity in your life, whether it's at work or at your home. You will just have greater creativity in your life. You will have healthier teams, and you will actually desire healthier relationships. You will have a renewed 
passion in life. You will have clearer decision making. Oh, how many of us could use that? You know why? Because we're not listening to everyone else. We're only listening to the one voice that matters. So now I can make that decision. Oh, it, this, it gets even better. There's internal peace. You know why you have internal peace now? Because I don't have to make these 50 people happy. I got to make one person happy. And I submit to that. And all glory comes and blessing. And it's like, I got the peace that the Bible describes, a peace that surpasses all understanding. I get to experience that. Um, vision clarity comes into play when we please God more than people. Uh, decreased anxiety. Come on now. How many of us could actually use a little bit of that in this chaotic world? A little decreased anxiety. And I'm not negating anxiety. I think there are chemical imbalances and things in life. And there should be, uh, with doctor's blessings, there are, I, I truly believe in medicine working. And God has given medicine to heal people as well. And I, I believe in that. And so I think you combine medicine and pleasing God more than people, you got a beautiful uh, prescription for healing. Truly believe it. And here's what else. And I love this one. Clarity in hearing God's voice. I think it's almost a shame in our faith that we have believers, disciples of Jesus perhaps, or believers that go through this entire journey of their life walking with Jesus and get to the end of their life and say, but I never knew God's voice. And it may not be audible, but just knowing his voice. You know why we can't hear it? Because we're listening to the world's voices and everyone else's in our life is shouting at us instead of hearing the one voice that matters most.